Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips show, everyone. I'm here with Aisha. Aisha, welcome. Thank you, Byron. It's a pleasure to be here. You're in New York City, but your roots are from Turkey. That's kind of interesting. Yes, I grew up in Izmir, Turkey, and moved to New York to do my master's at Pratt Institute, and that's where I've been almost 30 years. The legendary Pratt Institute, I might add. So many talented designers and art directors have have come from that great institute. So thanks for being with us today. Your book is exciting, Design the Life You Love, a step-by-step guide to building a meaningful future. Of course, there are deep roots in this book to your own experiences using art to find reflection and, and whatnot. Tell us a little bit about what inspired you to write the book when you first did. Byron, for quite a while, I've thought that my life is my biggest project. And a couple of years ago, I discovered my design process, deconstruction, reconstruction. And as an experiment, thought, well, if my life is my biggest project and now I have my design process and tools, can I apply deconstruction, reconstruction to my life? And that's how it was born. I did a workshop at the invitation of a friend of mine. And I've been doing workshops, hundreds of them since then. And so five years and the book later, here we are. Your friend and mentor, Ralph Kaplan, has a great quote in the book. I'm just going to read it to our guests. When it comes to life, there is no such thing as design. There is only redesign. How true is that? I'm sure that struck a nerve with you and perhaps was an inspiration to your methodology you're going to talk about today. But tell us about that quote and how meaningful it was to you. Oh, it was wonderful. And at the very beginning of my book, because as I was starting Design the Life You Love, Ralph is a mentor. And I sent a note to him and I said, Ralph, this is something that I'm going to try. And that was his answer to me. And I thought, of course, he's right. You know, it's always a redesign. And the whole idea is you prototype an idea, you try it, you modify it, you redesign And the same thing with your life. What don't we tend to love about our lives? Good question. I think what we don't love about our life is the constraints. You know, we want to be able to do everything and to have the means to do everything. And we don't have that. So my whole point is how can we turn these constraints into advantages and also recognize that we can't have everything. So why don't we really figure out what we love and, you know, spend the time doing those things? You have some great tips that were prepared. I noticed some of the, some of the documentation and literature in the book that I was reading from you. And I know some of the tips on, on bettering your life and how to be creative every day, you know, come from art Do you think that everyone, you know, that art can really help people? Some of the tips, for example, you know, draw something every day to wake up your right brain or, you know, have one creative habit that marks your beginning to your creative time. 
You know, yours, for example, is making tea. Do you think these rituals can help everyone in everything they're doing? A big yes, because if there's one thing that I've learned in the five years working with people, helping them design their life, is that ordinary people, and that's what I call non-designers very affectionately, that ordinary people are extraordinarily creative. They just need a structure, a process, and some tools, and off they go. Uh So today, confidently, I can say everybody's creative. And, you know, when you think of, you know, our childhood, we were all creative. Everybody plays, and being creative is really being playful. It's generating ideas and not worrying about, is this the right idea? It's thinking by doing. And one of your quotes is, think of the one thing you want and one thing you need. Wants and needs are often opposing. See if you can make them coexist. That completely blew me away to, first of all, separate wants and needs. I tend to lump wants and needs together. (laughs) What is so unique about separating wants and needs? And, And am I the only person that does that, by the way? Well, good question. You know, wants and needs... I'll give you a quick example. I want to be on vacation, but I need to make money. Mm -hmm. These two things oppose each other. Mm -hmm. If you can make them be together in harmony, then you can generate unique value. And what would that be? If I work while on vacation, that could be a way to harmonize my want and my needs. By the way, I do my best work on on vacation, so that one I've figured it out. And the trick to that is working one or two hours on your vacation on something that you love, where nobody disturbs you while maybe your kids are sleeping. So that's the idea of identifying your wants and needs that are opposing and harmonizing them and driving value out of that. Tell us about deconstruction a little bit. Tell us about its foundation and its roots and and it's the importance of of the process that you talk about. So deconstruction is the first step of my process and it's breaking the hole to see what it's made up of. I saw a quote from Rene Descartes from the 17th century that talks about deconstruction and breaking a complex idea apart to make it more feasible. And it's really that. It's looking at what something is made up of, what the ingredients are basically before you can decide which ingredients you want to keep and which ingredients you want to change. Are you suggesting that there are parts of your life that you, once you go through the deconstruction process, that you need to eliminate to to build up the other parts of the life that matter most to you? You know, I think everybody's life is their life and it's up to them to decide, but deconstruction in my mind as the first step of a design process is to look at your life and then see what it's made up of so that it doesn't look like this hole that's unbreakable. The smaller the parts, the more feasible it becomes. And what's interesting is when people deconstruct their life, that large, messy thing sits on two pages. You can open any notebook and your life will more or less deconstructed will fit into that. And that gives people an incredible sense of empowerment. 
Your book is packed with visuals, sketches. I was wondering, A, who did all those? Did you design those? I'm guessing so. But how important are images and visuals to you with an understanding of your life? I love that you brought that up. To me, a drawing is worth a thousand words. And I'm a designer, so my language, both for thinking and expressing myself, is through drawings and illustrations. And so when I was trying to write the book, it took me three years, but at one point I realized that I need to draw the book and then write about what I just drew. And so the book is very illustrative. Every idea is expressed through drawings and then supported by text. And I am a believer, I guess, being a designer and having drawn my ideas for all these years that what you can visualize, you can make happen. So I encourage people to think visually, not just in writing, but also drawing their ideas. It doesn't have to be beautiful drawings, but these are two parts of your brain, your right brain and left brain. Imagine how much more powerful you can express yourself if you're using both of those languages. The content marketing revolution, if you will, is in force right now, and everyone is seemingly banging out more content and making more posts and creating more news and more clutter, if you will, in, in particularly in the social sphere. What's your take on that? Are we losing sight of what matters, what's important, particularly when it comes to visuals? If I see another stock image, by the way, in the social media sphere that somebody's just quickly crabbed and used to try to illustrate something, I'm just going to throw up, I think. But tell me the importance of creativity to you and how you look at something and understand something and connect with that thing, whatever it is, whether it be a blog post or an idea or an infographic or an ad or whatever it is, how important is visual communication to expression and therefore how can your life become more expressive by using visuals? Yes, again, the, I think visuals coupled with writing is incredibly powerful and you're so right in saying we're inundated with content these days. And I find myself struggling with that in trying to simplify my life so that I can find the things that matter to me, but also not try to read everything and be up to speed at everything. I don't think that's really possible. And if I did, I, I wouldn't have time to create anything. So it's this fine balance between learning and at the same time creating what I call some white space to think in and generate my own ideas. I wanted to ask you about heroes. You have a wonderful quote in the book, and you talk about we are inspired by people, heroes, real and fictional people we know personally or not at all. These heroes tell us something about our values, beliefs, and the kind of life we aspire to live. Do you believe that, even as an adult, if you will? Do you look to heroes? And don't you find it interesting that we cannot be close to a hero, we not even know the hero, yet it somehow fills our imagination and our inspiration to be like that person? Why is that? And why do you feel that's important? And was it for your book? Really, again, you asked me one of my favorite, about one of my favorite things. The heroes are about our values, and the values are the foundation of our life design. Not just life design, when you're designing anything, you need to be close to 
the values of that design so that you can make choices. And in the book, the whole hero's exercise is to get people to think about their values, but in an indirect, inspirational manner. You know, if I were to ask you, Byron, if I said, you know, what are your heroes? That's such a difficult question. And often people give kind of standard answers that don't have much depth. But if you ask people who their heroes are, then it's like this incredible box opens and reveals their values to other people. And really the bottom point is what we recognize in other people are ourselves or the things that we aspire to enhance the heroes as an inspirational tool to get people to connect with their values. And then once they have their values, they have the foundation of their design. I think that's so fascinating. I just took a personality test with some other management team members, and I was quite surprised in taking that test that there was not a question that said, who are your heroes? And Because that just instantly draws in there. I have a question for you about the heroes, however, and that is, when we think and talk and communicate and, and make decisions in our life, do you think there's a subliminal way that we were asking ourselves, you know, what would, you know, for example, one of my wife's heroes is Jackie O. You know, what would Jackie O do in this situation? You know, are we saying that to ourselves? Are we looking for inspiration and answers from someone that we've never met and never know? The way I see it is, again, through the lens of design and design process. So in design, everything that we create starts with a point of inspiration. And that's why you'll find designers and artists and architects looking at what people that they love in their creativity, what they've done, or what are the current trends that are happening, or kind of the the forefront of creative thinking. And those are really places for us to imagine different possibilities before and open our minds to thinking differently, right? And that thinking differently is what gets us to a whole new perspective about seeing the same things differently. And to me, that's kind of the crux, the center of creativity, that it's that the ability to shift your point of view from what you know to what you can imagine. And I think what you just asked is more about finding, shifting your point of view and seeing, in this case, seeing your life from a new perspective. And with that, finding new solutions. Metaphors are another topic that you take on, and thanks for doing so. They're powerful creatures. Have you studied deeply the roots of neuroscience and how metaphors are such an integral part of how we communicate? I wouldn't say deeply, but I've learned and read about it and how they're helpful. Metaphors help us understand complex or new things in relation to things we know. My knowledge of metaphors comes again from design and projects that I've done with Herman Miller where Herman Miller as a company in their research had used metaphors to understand organizations and to be able to better design work environments for them. And really that was my first experience of metaphors and I saw how powerful they were. And an example would be when an organization, let's say an organization like Coca-Cola or GE says, 
we're like a beehive. That's a metaphor. You're taking this incredibly complex organization uh-huh. and thinking about it through the lens of what a beehive is. And because we know what a beehive is, that it's very productive and that the product is sweet like honey. Everybody's incredibly organized and disciplined. You immediately have an understanding of what that organization might be like. And so I've always used metaphors you know, throughout my work to imagine new possibilities. And so it was a natural for me to ask people, well, what's your life, life metaphor for today? And what's your life metaphor for the life you imagine, for the one that you love? Uh-huh. And it gets people to very quickly and imaginatively boil down the complexity of their life and also visualize it. It's quite a poetic tool, right? So it gets them to imagine and to visualize. And I ask them, please draw your metaphor as well as write about it. Because when you draw, you draw and you learn from it in one way. And when you write about it, you think about it in another way. Mantras fit with that as well. But so many incredible usage of metaphors in the advertising world. Why do you think that is? And just to refresh people's memory, I'm going to look at some of these taglines. You know, Budweiser, the king of beers. You know, how about Skoll, a chewing tobacco, always there in a pinch. (laughs) You know, Subway, (laughs) eat fresh, you know. Or, or think outside the bun. That was a tagline for them, you know, for so long. You know, or UPS, what can Brown do for you, right? So yes. these metaphors, why so much interest, do you think, in the creative community particularly, developing ideas that stick to the brain and that, you know, in a very few amount of words, define a company's being and essence and culture? Why is that so important and why are metaphors a centerpiece of that in your mind? In my mind, I think it's because it very quickly establishes a shared understanding of something. We Uh can all read a metaphor. It's almost shorthand for an idea. And I've seen these in meetings as well. Somebody will say, this is like a play, a play where the actors can change, but the play remains the same. And everybody around the table will get what that person means, because it's a reference to a shared experience. And I think that's why we see it used so often these days. A critical component to storytelling. There's a professor in the Boston area here who's studied his whole life of metaphors, and he's concluded that we utter one metaphor every 25 words. Can you imagine? 25 words. It's remarkable. It's international in its as well. I mean, the metaphor for anger, for example, in English, you know, we would say hothead, right? But in Arabic, it might be brains are boiling. In Japan, it might be boiling intestines. You know, these are all sort of slang metaphors, if you will, that would connotate anger. It's just incredibly powerful. I'd like to ask you about storytelling and the importance of storytelling with creativity. Tell us about your experiences with storytelling. And it wasn't a big part of the book, I noticed, but it was, I'm sure it's something that you would love to chime in on. Absolutely. Storytelling, you know, when you have an idea, whether it's in design or design your life or marketing, we're trying to convey ideas. And the best way to do that is through storytelling so that people can empathize with the story and put themselves in the shoes of the people 
that that story is about. And that's really, I think, the key to why storytelling is such an integral part of building ownership and understanding around new ideas. And we do this in our own work as well, where when we design, especially co-design with our clients or users, we give them storytelling exercises so that they can express their idea as a story or as a newspaper article. And in the book, towards the end, where I ask people to express the life that they love, one of the exercises is storytelling in that you write a letter to yourself or to a loved one and you bring everything you've done throughout the book up to that point into a story about the life that you're imagining. And this is a wonderful tool to then bring other people along into your design and build ownership. One of the things that I talk about is when you're designing your life, you're the first person to have the idea, but then you need to collaborate. You need to bring other people alongside to help you kind of bring that idea to life. And this could be your family, people you work with, your friends, and their storytelling is key to be able to tell them, not just keep it to yourself, but to to tell them, look, this is what I'm trying to do and I need your help. Let's do this together. Hmm. Let's take a break, everyone. Back in just a minute. Life Tips will be right back after this short break. Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Oh, yeah. My day is done. Time for happy hour. You're already done for the day? Yeah, because I use certifiedknowledge.org. Their PPC tools literally save me hours every day. How do you keep on top of all of Google's new features? Easy. With Certified Knowledge, their interactive learning modules keep me up to date. And if there's something I don't know, I can watch their video lessons without having to hunt around the Google help files. Great. I'm ready to expand my knowledge. Hi, I'm Brett Geddes. I'm the only leader officially supported by Google to teach the advanced track of the AdWords Seminars for Success. I personally recommend CertifiedKnowledge.org as your one-stop shop for all your PPC needs. Learn. Optimize. Connect. Be smart. Go to CertifiedKnowledge.org now. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, so you know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. 
internet marketing ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back, Asha. It's a really pleasure having you here today. It's my pleasure, Byron. If you had one creative thing that you would recommend we do to make our life better, what would that one thing be? Besides buying your book, of course. (laughs) All right, you beat me to that. I would say making choices. And a little trick that I do for myself is I draw, when I'm trying to decide what I need to do, I draw three circles. And, and this could be just on a post-it. And I identify three things that I want to dedicate time to and invest time and energy in. I'll give you a quick example. Last Christmas, when I was trying to finish my book, I had three weeks where my kids were on vacation and I knew I needed to finish the book. So I made three circles. And in one circle, I said, finish your book. The other circle was, Spend as much time as you can with your kids. And the third circle was eat good food. And believe it or not, that's exactly what I did in those three weeks. So it could be for a day, it could be for three weeks, it could be for a year, but I find it incredibly helpful to just accept and recognize you cannot have everything. So identify the things you want to make a priority and then spend time on those things. I'm looking at a diagram in your book of the three circles on the in the reconstruction section. And I love, once again, visually, they're overlapping one another. For example, you could eat good food with your kids, right? So Exactly. As the metaphor goes, kill two birds with one stone. And by the way, that's such an awful metaphor, really. There, we need a replacement <laughs> metaphor for that. But see, that's exactly when we were talking about wants and needs. Mm-hmm. That's the, if you can combine ideas like that, one of my favorite is if you can work with your family. And I often say like Serena in Venus Williams Sisters is an example of that, of where family and work becomes one. Mm-hmm. Whether it's good or not, that's another question. But as working parents, you know, that idea of, you know, how do you balance the time between work and your family, well, that's one idea, one way of dichotomy resolution. Bring them together. Like you said, eat good food with your children is another one. (laughs) Perfect. Now, how can you look at someone's three circles, if you will, in the reconstruction process and analyze that and say, you know, I don't think you've chosen the right three things or is it possible three three things could conflict with one another or would be too broad stroked? And tell me how we can choose the right three things to focus on in your mind, which is the critical component of your methodology here. The three steps that lead to reconstruction are the two steps, deconstruction, seeing what your life is made up of, and then point of view, looking at the same things differently, which includes heroes and metaphors, that information leads to reconstruction. And without those first two steps, 
if you just started with reconstruction and tried to decide, okay, these are my three circles, I think those ideas would be uh, quite conventional and perhaps shallow. The creative process of doing, and in the book I suggest, do maybe spend 20 minutes a day with the book so you're not doing a lot, but every day building up on it. Those understandings of your values, your vision, the things you want to change, that's what leads to the reconstruction. And then really rich understanding of where you want to spend time and the kinds of things you want to frankly leave out as well, which is key to to the balance. Have you studied any gamification of tasks or lists and certainly involving visualizations like you know, productivity charts or uh, results.com, for example, has a whole, I would argue, a gamification process of sort of having like a heat map of how everyone in your company or all your managers are doing. Uh, another great book called Traction is interesting, sort of dissects, you know, the rocks, sand and pebbles in your life. Like if you're trying to put this is a good analogy that I think you would love, and, and I'd like to get your thoughts on everything I just said when I'm done with this long-winded <laughs> question. But it's imagine you have a jar in front of you, you know, and you've got a pile of rocks, a pile of pebbles, and a pile of sand. You know, how do you get all of that in the jar, right? Obviously, you know, you put the big rocks in first, followed by the pebbles, followed by the sand, and everything fits. But if you put the sand on the bottom and then do it reverse order, it doesn't fit, right? So <laughs> it's a wonderful analogy to... I love that. Uh, yeah, isn't it cool? So your circles remind me a little bit of that. You know, it's like, it, it, how do you reconstruct the right way, making sure that you're comfortable with these decisions on what is you know, most and least important to you? So you made me think, I mean, gamification is a fascinating subject, but I think my viewing angle is designification. And so ah. I look at it through the creative lens of how can I get you to think like a designer optimistically, holistically, asking what of questions uh-huh. and being playful, not being afraid of making mistakes. What I love about reconstruction that I don't really talk about this in the book, but it eventually reveals itself is that it's a very simple way of creating permutations of ideas. If I put this and this and this together, it leads to this. There are three circles. You can change them. So, you can make as many different combinations and permutations as you want until the right idea kind of rises to the top. And that's quite, the permutation side of it is quite logical and people try different combinations. But that notion, that feeling that you have when you hit on the right idea, that's quite intuitive. It comes from the gut and you know it. And so... I do, in the workshops, help people in terms of reminding them perhaps of their values or something that they have said. But in terms of advising them, I provide the tools and they bring their own creativity. And believe me, they know it when they hit on the right idea. And that's when they're ready to start prototyping that idea. Just again, for me, this all comes from product design, which is my expertise. I'm just showing you and everyone that life is also a project and as such can be designed. 
Interesting. I wanted to ask you about a visual that relates to life. Um, I was uh, delivering a speech for a, a conference, and I was trying to explain to people uh, a visual representation of like before and after and the revelations that they would come from the knowledge that I was trying to share. And I drew a map of like, okay, when I began thinking about this problem, I had a topographical map of Boston, right, with their old street designs and layouts and chaos and Beacon Hill and the Back Bay and, like, Crossroads. It's just a classic, noisy, old <laughs> architectural design. Yeah. And then I contrasted that with New York City. You know, here's logical layout, right, a grid system, easy to get around, difficult to get lost on. Um, don't you think that that's what your book is trying to get at is that clear visual path to understanding your life and the process by which you live and navigate in a before Boston situation and an after New York? And if that's true, what do you think the key components to that are? That's a wonderful way of putting it. You're right. The goal of Design the Life You Love is really to build a coherent life, a life that original to you. It's not a perfect life, but your values are the foundation of that life. And your original life looks like you, feels like you, it smells like you. And to me, that's the definition of a life well lived. And the key components of it is really, I would say the theme is coherence. Because often, especially in challenging times, at least this is my own experience, is that it's easy to lose your mooring and to remember why you did something and what your values are and what you're trying to establish. And designing your life at its most basic helps align those things so that you have a sense of who you are, what your role is, what your values are. And based on those which choices are the most meaningful for you? And then once you have that, in a way, it's simplifying the complexity, which to me is really what design is all about. You have a clear sense of your life. I would say, you know, life is still complex, but you have like a roadmap, but a roadmap that is not given to you, but rather a roadmap that you've created. And then the whole point is, well, why don't you live your life according to your own roadmap and then redesign as you go long as you need to? Long answer, but that is the goal, the simplicity on the other side of complexity and, and being able to think about your life creatively and with optimism. That's just too perfect a note not to end on. It's been so great having you on the show today. <laughs> it's really been my pleasure. This was such a great conversation. You've made me think differently about my own book, which is no easy feat. <laughs> well, hopefully not too differently because it's magnificent. I have two quick final questions for you. Who would you like to get a hold of you and how can they get a hold of you? This book is for everyone, but I especially love young people who have their whole life in front of them. So if they can kind of find me or the book and design their own roadmaps, that would be wonderful. And they can find me at aishebersel.com. That's A-Y-S-E, Bersel, B-I-R-S-E-L.com. Terrific. I want to thank you again, Aisha. really, really enjoyed chatting with you today. Byron, thank you. I really enjoyed it myself. 
Indeed, I hope everyone's life is a little smarter, better, faster, and wiser, and more meaningful when it comes to everything we talked about today. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. We'll see you next week. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited.